impression again we get all with what you put into it's like a walk of life if you're good enough go out and get it no more about it Your mother sends you down to the shop for a pound worth of goods and she gives you 50 pence. You can't get the pounds worth of goods, can you? And just about kept in. Oh, well, Johnny Buckley. To do that to Tomas O'Shea, he deserves to score from here. One of the highlights of the second game. Let me spend out there from the war court today. No more about him. They made all the run. That was it. Put the ball over the bar and the fact that it, and that's it. No ifs, no buts. Is there much time left? No sympathy in this game for anybody. Good evening, and you're very welcome to another episode of Treaty Talk as we reflect on the week that was in Limerick GA. But uh, before we do that, uh, I'm delighted to say I'm joined as ever by Matt O'Callaghan of the Weekly Observer and Bay Star newspapers, but also by a journalist uh, uh, for another Limerick man, David Byrne, who uh, is here to discuss another book launch. We had a book last week mentioned, of course, the uh, book celebrating the great team of 1973. That's the book, uh, Keeping the Dream Alive, and that launched uh, last weekend at the Woodlands House Hotel. So that is available in uh, numerous places across the county. And we wish the three authors, uh, Niall, uh, James, and uh, uh, Liam O'Brien, the very best with that one. Uh, but now we ter- turn our attention to another book. And uh, before we look at the book itself, I must uh, first introduce the, the man who's written it. Uh, that's Mr. David Byrne. David, uh, First of all, how are things uh, where you are this evening? Great, Tom. Great, Tom. Um, yeah, just looking forward to the, the book being out. Um, it's going to gone to print as we speak. So, like, you know, it's just um, at this stage now, just waiting for it to, to hit the bookshelf. So, like, it's been a very, very busy couple of months. So, yeah, all, all good. All good. Um, and it's coming at a busy time in GA circles as well. Like, so it is, uh, it is exciting times, really. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, just a bit of background about yourself. We were joking there before we got recording. Um, you're a South Liberties man. Uh, you would certainly uh, sympathise with them there. But uh, you're you're um, over the border in Kerry now uh, in a professional capacity anyway. So uh, you're, you've uh, you've spread yourself uh, a little bit across the Kerry and, and Limerick divide in the last few years. Yeah, I'm working down with a newspaper here, Kerry's Eye. Um, and we sent you there. I did the Kerry, version, Kerry football version of this book. Jeez, it was out two years now, um, and you know, following on from that, the uh, publisher Liam Hayes, who had played football with with me in the eighties and nineties, he, he he asked me to do the the Limerick Ireland version. I, yeah, so I'm working down here a couple of years from Ballyshealy myself, just up the road from Separate Liberty. So like that, that just kind of makes the the you know, book a bit of labour of love as well. You're talking to lads from your own club um we have four four players from south liberties um sean finn's father brian being one of them and, and he transferred to bruff as well um but he played with south liberties in, in his early years so and you have emma grimes and pat hartigan and mark Keane as well like so that you know that brings it home as well and that's why i think thoroughly enjoyed doing it really um over the last year or so so yeah be from up the road um in Ballyshealy from south liberties and as i said down here down here about four years now with Living in Clarny, working in Tralee. Yeah, but uh, you still say tuned to all things Limerick GA. I think anyone would know you as well, maybe as a reporter, uh, freelancing uh, sometimes with the Limerick Leader and uh, different bits and pieces around the place. I'll just bring the, the book up on screen here, just for anyone that 
maybe I didn't really properly introduce the name of it there, the game of my life at uh, Limerick. And this is a familiar kind of uh, book format cover and a familiar format, um, which you've seen in other counties. You mentioned you did the Kerry one. We've had, I've seen the Cork one. I've had a, a couple of looks myself at the Tipperary hurling one. Uh, just once for a lot of the, the bigger counties, shall we say, um, in, in either hurling or football. And David, the format itself, uh, there's 30 of the greatest. It's not it's not a who's who of, of Limerick hurling, so to speak, although, you know, the, the, the 30 names there on, on the left of the screen there will, will tell you with anything. But it's it's not a case of, oh, these are the greatest 30 men to ever hurl for Limerick. And, and there's actually uh, Polly McCarthy is listed as well um, in amongst them. But it's these are guys you spoke to across different generations who uh, who, who cover the game of their life. It may not always be an, an All-Ireland final or a Munster final. Um, you know, there, there's obviously other examples, guys picking out club games, guys picking out Munster semi-finals or league, league games. So uh, so what sort of mixed variety of, of obviously players, you can see the names there, but what sort of games did, did this throw up uh, in, your, in your time speaking to the guys? Yeah, one thing that stands out to me, Tom, is there was, uh, of the 30, there's nine club games. You know, I think that brings it back to, you know, yourself and... and and Matt, really here to this one covering local club games is that that's the core of the GH. You know, we wouldn't have inter county without the club, and and um, you know, all, uh, not all of them played senior club championship in Limerick as well. And Damien Rail, for example, picked an intermediate um, semi final, um, was it 2010? Um, I think it was against Barry Brown, actually. They won the yeah, the yeah, against Barry Brown. Um, you know, so it's it, it it's real local, like what it means to him personally, and and there's only one crossover of the same game, uh, 2007 semi final Limerick semi final against uh, Waterford, uh, Andrew Shacklancy, Brian Begley, and Stephen Lucy all picked that game. Um, but what stood out to me was the two other lads, Beg Brian Begley and Stephen Lucy, quick often referred back to what an unbelieving game O'Shaughnessy had that day, and and. You know, but the rest of the games are all individual. You know, they're, they're games that send out to each player for their own different reasons. And you touching it there, it's not. It's not a list, even though you could argue that it's probably, you know, they, you could say that they're probably 30 of the, you know, definitely some of the great, greatest hurlers to play with Limerick. But it wasn't a list that I didn't sit down and say, you know, these are the 30 greatest. It's kind of a mixture of different eras. You could easily pick, I suppose, the greatest or the best, what you would stand out from the, that 1970. Three team and this current team and a few from 2007 but it's it's a mix right back to games from 1955 right up to 2001 so that's eight decades um you know and it's like what really stands out is is, is why the game means so much to, to each player and it's a real insight and kind of you know about them and i suppose you know why i think it takes a unique person to to make it um at inter-county level and you can really get an insight into you know the lads that are there and and the sacrifices like uh, that they've made. That that's what really stands out to me more than anything. You know that just you know lads play with Limerick for 10, 12, 14 years, and you know that they're in their twenties and they talk about simple things like missing weddings, birthdays, but they wouldn't give it up for the world. Like and and the Moran brothers, for example, stood out to be the lads played up, right up until two thousand and seven that trilogy. You know that some some players with Limerick played nine ten years for Limerick and they won one championship game, you know, and they stuck at it and that, that team was kind of rewarded in two thousand seven for getting to an All Ireland final. Um, you know, we all know what happened that day against Kilkenny, but like just the sacrifices that lads make and, and uh, that's that's what really stands out for me. And like there's there's two players that actually picked games that they lost, which is kind of 
maybe goes against what people might think what the book is about. It's not the biggest game. It's not the most memorable, probably from a fan's point of view, but it's most memorable from for each of the thirty lads in the in the book. And you mentioned thirty lads that leaves thirty chapters, and uh, so we're looking at a book of about you know uh, I said eighty ninety thousand words, which is no mean feat to put together, especially when it's on. 30 different topics well essentially i know there's, there's two or three mentioned the same game but they're all coming at it from a different uh, perspective uh how long does this take for you to put together like uh, you know guys are working you're working as well on top of this you, you have to try and meet them you don't want to be doing this over a phone call you want to get down and really get into the guts of the game with them you don't want it to be you know a very short conversation where you want to hear what their, their memories of that day was so how long does it take to put together a book like this yeah, you you'd be surprised. Like I think it's the one to three hundred pages, but you'd be surprised. You know yourself from 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 you know covering and doing interviews and, and radio as well. Like you could talk to somebody for for ten minutes, but the hardest part is kind of cutting it down to you know a fine tuning or maybe picking out the best bits. And um, but like it, it it is word for word. It's the first first hand testimony of what what they're saying. You know, there's, there's not much input from myself. Um, it's a straight out interviews and tidied up and and. You know, it's made in a way that's easy to read. But um, with the Kerry one, you know, we, we decided to, to, to get it out that year. Um, and it was in COVID as well. So uh, a lot during COVID, so a lot of the interviews had to be done over the phone. With the Limerick one, I, I had a little bit longer because um, the Nine Lives books, which came out last year, um, was coming out. So they, he wanted to hold it until this year. Um, so, you know, I had a little bit longer, which sometimes wasn't... wasn't um, a good thing either as well when you're working as well and you're covering games you get a I suppose a little bit complacent and there's no pressure on the lads to get back back to you you know lads might say they do it and and life takes over and a couple of weeks later you get back onto them but all in all like working away at it the last year and a half or so um but as i said the carry one we we did it within within the year so but like vast majority of them i would have met um and sat down with them and we would have went through it and then maybe chatted again and, and if they if they taught us something we went away but yeah it's just it's it, it's real kind of when you get talking to them and get to know them it's real casual kind of a chat and it's very easy and, and they kind of open up about you know they're, they're off the field as well and and, and kind of what makes them ticks and 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 what gets them kind of to the level that they're to, they are to, to play hurling with limerick yeah just to, to bring up the list here again and uh I don't know where you'd stand and and who stands out and look and I, I know you'd be you'd be slow to put anyone ahead of anyone but from my own point of view as someone who grew up in the 90s into the 2000s like when i see names there like uh like mark Keane, oh obviously that great three in a row team andrew o'shaughnessy you know even stephen lucy nile moore and these guys that that i would have regularly maybe met at summer camps and the like you kind of be you'd be looking at it straight away to, to say geez what game did they pick and, and how does it breed but but also, David, there's, there's guys there from before you and I, you and I time, uh, Massey Dowling, of course, uh, Tom Ryan as well, Pat Hartigan, a lot of the 73 team. So from your own point of view, it was obviously an education, not, not to say you were oblivious to, to their, their um, achievements and that, but it was obviously obviously a chance for you to research their, their careers and their, their, um, their games in, in more detail. So you, you must have un- uncovered some, some interesting things as, as, the, as the year went on as you, you studied those games and, and, the, and those players. Yeah, I think that was the biggest work in the book, the research, you know, you're looking up and it's very easy to, you know, you know yourself and when you're interviewing someone, you might know the answer, but you still want the interviewee to, to say it and to talk about it. And, and you know, with, with the games that 
your life or and around for you know it might be come across a silly question you're asking something that you might already know but i was more in, in intrigued about the games before i was born and there's even a game before my father was born in 1955 and I just pay tribute to, to vivian cobb as well he was, would have been the first one of the first that i met for the interview um and and, and he passed away last week and, and an absolute gentleman um humorous character you know he, i met him in his house he lived very very close to the gate of ground and you know he, he 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 joked about how he he would make it in the modern era as a hurler he was you know and he compared himself to his own club man park carol hegarty um you know he he reckons he's a foot and a half taller than him and you know absolute gentleman and just talking about a completely not only a different era of hurling but a completely different ireland diff, a completely different world you know that how they made their way down to the to the athletic grounds down in Cork for a semi-final against Waterford. And, you know, there wasn't a huge crowd down there because he was saying, you know, people in Limerick had money at the time and, and to go down to Cork was a huge journey. And they went down in cars and, they, they, you know, they, they won Munster that year and he talks about coming back and having a dinner, their dinner in the hotel um, in Limerick. And they went home. There wasn't massive celebrations, so everyone went back to work and the next day and they had won a junior All-Ireland um, the year before against London, um, himself and his brother, and they were brought into the senior team the following year, and just just talks about a completely different, you know, world at the time, and and um, he, he they were having dinner in the hotel down in Cork, and and he got a phone call, you know, we're in an era where everything's so instant now with phones and mobile phones, and he got a phone call through the hotel, and the waiter had to come down and ask him, would you do an interview with uh, the Irish Independent the next day? Um, and he said most of the questions because he had scored two, two, three that day against Waterford, and most of the questions were kind of asking him about himself because the the journalist hadn't heard of him before because it was his first year in the in the senior panel, and he 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 nearly he lit up with pride to even tell me about that story. Like what, what are we now, seventy years later? Do you know that, that that his name was in the paper and he had a printout of of the match report the next day, and it was it was all focused on him. And yeah, it's just little insights like that, and then. I only remember well the 2007, the trilogy against Tipperary, you know, I just done my leaving cert that year. So it brings even brings back memories for yourself and talking to Niall and Ali Moore and that. And, and as I was telling them stories from the terrace, you know, they were telling me stories from the pitch and, you know, that they were even taken back by what I was telling them. Because um, at the time it was just a sea of green and an atmosphere that, that blew them away, but they were kind of stuck in the moment and a bubble on the pitch. And, you know, they heard stories from, from the, from the, Get it grounds that day, and I was telling them stories, and you know they were kind of reliving it in their own, their own memory, in their own mind as well. Like, and yeah, it's just, just, it. I think what it going through it is, it's nearly like how it's crazy how Ireland has changed in twenty years, never mind 70, 80 years. But then it's crazy how Ireland and the world has changed in 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 the era since the first game. Like we have Vivian Cobb picked the nineteen fifty five. Munster semi-final against Waterford and then Sean Finn is the, the most recent one who picked the All-Ireland final against Cork in 2021 and then I met with Sean and Brian his dad Brian same time and, and, and Brian's interview was talking about the 1994 final at the last against Offaly and he compared to that even in 2021 when Limerick were what 16 points up at one stage um, he was even turning to Sean's brother in, 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 the, in the Crow Park saying you know I can't enjoy this. Yeah, because, you know, the flashbacks of 
1994 still in his in his mind, despite the fact that Limerick had won the Ireland in 2018 and 2020. He just had the sense of dread that you know anything could happen here because what happened against uh, Offaly, what 30 years before that. You know, it's just it's just little insights and personal insights and and different characters as well. You know, like your own club man there, Tom Ryan, who as you know well is a absolute fantastic character, and you've kind of quieter characters then who uh, like. Eamon Cregan, I think, is a a quiet man, you know, highly intelligent and kind of looks at things differently and, and even talk about the, the social fabric of Limerick at the time. And he, he grew up in the inner city and um, how hurling in the city now isn't as strong as it was back then. And just little different insights there and how, you know, he felt that rugby and soccer took over and... Um, yeah, it's just, you know, it's it's a lot more than, than, the, than the lads is talking about the games on the, on the pitch, really. Yeah, it does sound like a, a bit of a history lesson as well for if, for if I for, can uh, in there for a second. Uh, yes, absolutely, Matt. Yeah, um, yeah. First, first of all, I want to congratulate you on on, on um, you know, it, it was a huge task, and of course, I was sort of rest of the year as as you know, as you mentioned there, we meet very often on the sideline um, covering co- covering matches. But I think um, it, it, the thing about it is, it, it transcends generations um, of followers and. Um, I would be very familiar with the 73 team now. I, I was only, it was basically only hearsay and um, as, as a small little boy that I was hearing about um, about, about 1955. But Dave, I suppose in, in, in your interviews and um, in your work on the book, you got insight as to how the level of preparation for county teams has changed over the years. Because in, from speaking to former players, and then I even spoke to one or two of the 1940 team when they were alive, um, it's a huge change in, in the level of preparation and, by extension, the level of commitment. Oh, absolutely. I like, Matt, you mentioned they're comparing now to the 50s. Never like What I was blown away is comparing now to the, the noughties or the 90s. Um, Gary Kirby told me a fantastic story about, you know, um, when when Limerick won in, was it 94, 96, they played Antrim, Mike Crickman, this was one of the years, and it was, they played Antrim in the Ireland semi-final, and um, Dave Mahidi was there at the time, Tom Ryan had brought him in, and they had stayed up in Dublin because it was an early throw-in, and, uh, you know, Dave Mahidi was a fitness coach and was trying to bring in nutrition and, and everything, and Gary kind of walked down and the lads were sitting there and he says, I won't be rude. I'll sit down beside them. But, um, you know, his first reaction was the lads re- re- sitting there eating their porridge and, and fruit, whatever. But Gary, Gary turned to the, the man serving them and he says, I'll, I'll get a full Irish. Um, you know, this was a couple of hours before an Ireland semi-final. Um, Gary thought nothing of it. Um, Dave was kind of looking at him and he says, sure, whatever you're used to, whatever you're used to kind of thing, you know, and, and let him work away. But, Gary kind of knew it wasn't something that they've probably overly approved. And Gary's two sons now, are, they've been in, in and around the Limerick panel and the under-20 panel over the last few years. And he compared the fact that they have a full nutrition um, plan, never mind through the inter-county season. Um, his two sons, Patrick and John, um, and they're involved in Patrick's well, senior team now. And, you know, um, when they were with the under twenties, never mind during the, the the season in the off season, they were sticking to a gym plan and a nutrition plan. And and he'd come down home and he'd 
you know, on a Sunday he'd, he'd have his fry or, or or whatnot, and the lads wouldn't wouldn't touch it, and they'd be sticking to their diet, and like he was absolutely blown away, and he was seeing it firsthand comparing to his era, which is what only 25, 30 years ago, and seeing it firsthand with his two own sons. I think that was a great insight as well, um, and it, it that shows the level of preparation and not to dwell on the, the drinking side of it, but there was a lot of little stories about, you know, going for points after games and that has changed. And some people probably say for the better, um, but it's just, it's nearly on a professional level now, um, you know, without the pay and, and it's, it's the game is better for it now, but it's just, the book kind of goes, as you're reading it, you're going through the different eras and you nearly get a sense of how it has changed so much. And I think, um, that's one thing that stood out to me as well. Uh, well yeah, Dave, I'll just, I'll just give you a small story, which, you know, I suppose graphically illustrates it. The late Tom Cook of, of Nakei, who won an All-Ireland with Limerick in 19, told me he made his debut in, in the league final, of, sorry, in the Oireachtas final of 1939, I think. Uh, he made his, his, his Limerick debut against, against Kilkenny. And that morning, he... He was a farmer. He milked his cows, went to the creamery in Garmanstown, which was just beside him, and got picked up by a Limerick car and taken to Croke Park. Yeah. So you, it gives you a fair insight and a fair contrast as to the level of preparation between then. Um, I suppose if you move on to 55, it had advanced. 73, it had advanced, but nothing in comparison with what it is today. Yeah. Like even... Tom Ryan, I asked, I, I I asked Tom Ryan about he was manager obviously in the nineties, and I asked him would he would he would he do it in the modern era, or would he like to to manage this this current team? And he his first answer was that obviously he'd love to be involved with such talented herders um, that are there at the moment. But then he kind of took a step back, and and I interviewed him in his house, and he he, he pointed out at his his own cattle outside, and he says, you know that. Before matches, when he was manager, he'd he'd go out and he'd, he'd milk he'd milk the cattle and and he'd get a lift into the gated grounds or up to Turles and you know that you couldn't do that these days. Um, that he was kind of touching on that he has probably too much responsibilities to to um, even be involved at that level in the modern era. And I think that was a little insight as well of how it has changed as well. And I think we all see how John Kylie is touching it. You know, it's nearly full time throughout the year when he's not teaching and and. Um, or during the summer, and yeah, it was just little things like that, you know, that it, that has changed so much, um, ne- never mind in, in 50, 60 years, but even in 20 years, 30 years, in, in my own lifetime. Yeah, well, David, but I of think course, you've... Uh, you've... Um, Tom, uh, Dave, a, a lot of the people you in, uh, interview, of course, very few, few of them except those that are involved today, um, experienced or even dreamt, of, of the level of success that Limerick had have now. You know, I was talking to some of the 73 lads the other night, you know, and, you know, that you, you'd say to themselves, you'd say to yourself, are they envious of what's happening now? I wouldn't think so. Absolutely delighted for Limerick. Um, but maybe, maybe they may have got another one or two. Um, but, um, like, it, it, it's changing all the time. And, I think you touched on it there when you said it was almost, it's nearly almost professional now, or certainly going down the road of being nearly professional in terms of preparation. In terms of preparation, absolutely, yeah. And um, I think the current players, I interviewed four current players for it, like Dan, Dan Morrissey, uh, Sean Finn, Graham Mulcahy, and Mike Casey, and, and, and they touched on it, you know, that 
even at club level. Um, Mike picked a, a Napiershik game. Graham picked a Kamalak game. Um, and they even spoke about the preparation at club level now. You know, that it, it's even suppressed what it was at inter-county level 20 years ago. And, yeah, it's just, it, it's probably everything but professional at inter-county level um, in terms of, you know, the food, preparation, nutrition, um, how they go to games and buses stay overnight. You know, there was none of that with the exception for Ireland finals before. And I think it's a timely reminder as well, reading through with that, you know, we can't take the success of the moment for granted because there's people there that kind of probably are used to it now over the last couple of years, but it really kind of gives an insight into an era when it wasn't so successful. Um, people forget, Tom remembers it, I remember it, you remember it, Matt, when, when in the in the 90s when there was such hype about that under-21 team coming through and then we went, what, nine, ten years winning one one senior championship game in Munster, so with the exclusion of qualifiers yeah. and that. Yeah, so, you know, it's just, um, it's a time to remind you when you go through it. I only had to read through it last last week to, to um, you know, to, to before it was gone to print just to check any anything really. And um, it's it's kind of a, it, it's really a timely reminder of kind of where Limerick Ireland has come from, really. Very good, very good. Yeah, David, uh, we'll, we, you mentioned the word success there. We wish you all the success with this book, The Limerick Game of My Life. Uh, David, just remind us uh, when it will be available, where people can get it, and, and just maybe how much uh, they will have to partake, uh, part out of their wallet for this one. I, I can tell you this will be under plenty of people's trees uh, this Christmas if they don't get their hands on it anytime sooner. But just, uh, just to remind uh, folks of uh, where they can get this. Yeah, so it'll be in all bookstores from the middle of next week. Hopefully, as I said, it's, it's it's going to print this week as we speak. Um, I know Talk and Leafs in Castle Troy will have it. The, the Easons, a couple of Easons in Limerick City. Um, you've the bookshop out in the Crescent. Um, O'Mahony's as well. You know all the bookshops that they'll be sent out from the publisher. Um, and what I've done as well, I've I've got copies myself from the publisher, so people can contact me directly um, through email or 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 phone or. You know, my social media, Twitter, Facebook, um, and I'll have it for sale myself. Um, or then we're trying to get it into, I suppose, maybe the smaller shops, centres, um, around the county, Limerick as well, where where Hurling is probably the strongest at the moment, and um, we're looking to probably sell a couple through the, the clubs as well, and we're looking to have a launch on in in Talk and Leafs on the Saturday twenty fifth. Um, all going well, and hopefully get a couple of players including the book there in the day as well um looking to confirm a time for that but yeah it'll definitely be in the bookshops from early next week and and, and hopefully the week after then um slowly coming into i know ryan's in centra ryan center in raheen for example um they'll be stocking it and adam's court there in balneady for example a couple of the the local stores it's a matter of time once i get it physically myself just to kind of get into local stores and yeah it'll be out and about yeah yeah, exactly. Fantastic. Yeah. yeah. Okay, David, we wish you all the best with your book. Uh, that's the Limerick Game of My Life, uh, available from basically mid November onwards. Uh, be too sure to pick up a copy. I can guarantee you it will be a book that you will be unable to put down uh, once you get it in your hand. Now, uh, we are welcome back to Treaty Talk. Uh, thanks to David Byrne for joining us uh, earlier in the piece. Uh, we will now look back on the weekend that was. Uh, in Limerick GA last week and uh, a very exciting weekend once again with uh, no fewer than three county finals 
uh, decided last weekend all in football. Of course, we had four county finals in hurling the week before that were decided. Uh, Matt, looking first and all at the senior, a three in a row, the first time since 1975, best part of 50 years since uh, the uh, Father Casey Cup has resided with the same club. And it's Newcastle West, a 3-5 to 13-point victory over uh, familiar foes there at the Gaelic Grounds. Matt, this was far from vintage at uh, Newcastle West, but sometimes the champions will find a way. And indeed, they did enough to get over the line against it there. Yeah, and I, I, I think we flagged it last week, Tom, when we said it. And I, I had a sense, um, I always have this sense about Newcastle West when they go out in games, and especially against teams that are weaker than them, that, you know, they never really show that hand that they, they, they do enough to win. But when it comes down to the grind, um, they just have that ability um, to dig out games. I saw it first hand. Now, I missed the final last Sunday because uh, I was at the junior final and um, we had the book launch on, on Sunday night. But I saw them in the semi final and the way they dug out that, that semi final, you know, and completely twatted the, 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 the danger men from, from Mona Lee. And I was saying to myself, now they're probably going to do something similar. Against um, uh, Adair because um, Adair have had very very useful forwards, but um, like very very disappointing from a for Adair losing a third final in a row and um, losing it by the minimum margin, having thirteen scores on the board to to Newcastle West eight, um, but it, it was a classical you know it was a classical smash and grab effort by Newcastle Western, where they got the opportunities to get goals and they took them and, and fair juiced them. And congratulations to them for, 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 for winning three in a row because it's not very long ago. It was only at, um, a before last year's final and during last year's campaign that, that putting back-to-back -back titles was a holy grail for Newcastle West. And now they've done it three in a row. And what a way to send uh, for a send-off for Jimmy Lee um, for the for the end of the county section of the current campaign, because of course they're back in action next Sunday, which is a quick turnaround, and we'll be talking about it in a minute. But what I say is, and I I only saw snippets of it, um, and um, I I think we predicted that Newcastle West would win it here last week, and that they'd win it by a narrow margin, and um, but certainly not a game for the edges by all accounts, Tom, and. That, that is what I'm saying. Newcastle West just went out there, you know, and got the job done. And, you know, there's such a huge core of experience in that Newcastle West team. And, like, um, you know, looking at the game and you're saying to yourself, Keen Sheehan, who was so influential for the last two years, could prove to be a huge loss. <coughs> Hugh Burke, who didn't play at all in the final last year due to injury, back and back at his best, you'd be inclined to think that, you know, the scales were tilting towards a there. Um, but that is to disregard um, Newcastle West's ability in tight situations, in tight corners, to get themselves out of it. And they had, you're talking about digging deep. Um, you know, there was no further they could dig, I, I think, from last Sunday. Than, than they did to get the victory on this occasion and full credit to them. Yeah, yeah. Now, Matt, I was at the game myself and look, it, 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 far for me to be critical of Adair, but I think Adair will be ruining this one more than maybe the other two 
because of the nature of how they conceded the goals. I think for certainly the second and third goal, they gave the ball away far too easily for you know a seasoned senior football side. Um, their goalkeeper cut out, out out the field for the the second goal, and then you know a, a square pass, if you like, across the Ian Carver for the third goal, and he set that up for Brian Nix. They'll just be ruined. I mean, the three goals were of the soft variety, Matt, and that's nine points. Nine points, uh, you know, given far too easily to a team like Newcastle West, who once they get a grip on you, they they know how to see out the game. People might say, oh, they didn't score much in the second half, or you know, they didn't score late in the game, they only scored one point from playing the whole game. But Newcastle West, once they had their nose in front, were happy to sit off, sit deep, defend. Adair didn't score from playing the second half. That will tell a tale that there was very much pressure on each and every shot that came in. And, you know, I think Adair will rule this one so, so much. It's just one that got away. Um, not not to take anything away from the winners, Newcastle West do did what they had to do and do what they have to do to win games. But I think Adair, just the cheapness of the scores they gave up, you know, that would, that will frustrate John Bruder. John Bruder and Co, you know, so um, commiserations to them. I'm sure it's not easy to be picking themselves up after a, a third final and the bounce. But uh, Matt, you mentioned it there, the the Munster semi-final, Clanmel, or the quarter-final, isn't it, uh, this year? It was a semi-final last Before year. Before you pair. go from that, Tom, and you're talking about the goalkeeper being cut out the field. I I, I don't understand this thing of of um, the goalkeeper um, becoming a fifth outfield player. And I think that arose this year where I saw it first, where it was very, very pronounced, was in the Sigerson Cup, hmm. where um, there was there was some yeah, I think it's, it's I been a team for a few years now, yeah. Now, but, yeah, he was ha- halfway up the field, but I noticed that it crept into the Ulster Championship now uh, this year. The Derry goalkeeper, so, um, particular that, prominent, that, yeah. That's a very, very dangerous strategy, Tom. A very, very dangerous hmm. strategy, and. For me, that's only an accident waiting to happen. Goalkeepers yeah. were given the number one jersey to defend their goal, and mind, and, and they're often referred to as the net minder. You can't be minding the net when you're halfway out the field, and uh, it, it's it's a development in the, in the game that I do not like for one. But maybe um, people will say that that old foggy now he's gone on with his old stuff again. But you, you know, um, you, you can see. Where um, uh, you know people that employ that strategy are liable to be caught. Yeah, absolutely. No, you, you, you were on the throes of moving to Sunday. Yes, Sunday, and Sunday in Turles. Back yeah. out again in Simple Stadium in Turles at one thirty, and it will be a renewal of acquaintances with all fours. Um, this is the third time in in um, the third time of New- Newcastle West have won five. Limerick Singer Football Championship since 2015, and this is the third time they will have encountered um, uh, Clanmel commercials in, in the Munster Championship. <coughs> in 2015, um, Newcastle West were beaten by two points. They did everything on that particular day in Clanmel but win the football match. You know, they had built up a substantial lead, um, and um, just uh, they were hit late with a dramatic late. Um, Clan Mel series of points and it ended up 12 points to 1-7 and they were out. Um, but they avenged that in the second meeting last year when they beat um, when they beat um, Clan Mel commercials after extra time. Now, to rub salt into sore wounds in 2015, of course, um, Nemo or um, Clan Mel commercials went on to beat Nemo Rangers in the Munster final down in Mallow. 
with a late Mike Quinlan goal. So, um, like they are from they are familiar foes, and um, like um, last year, um, Clanmel Commercials went into that semi final with Newcastle West as very very firm favourites. Um, but they got overturned in, in in by by Newcastle West after extra time, in what was a decent game of football. Now, <clears throat> so what's going to happen this time? Like the 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 um, co commercials of the kingpins of Tipperary football, they have won four of the last five uh, um, Tipperary championships, and. Um, um, Michael Quinlan is, uh, is an all-star. He's back. And Shawnee O'Connor is a Sigerson Cup winner with UCC <coughs> and has made a breakthrough in the in the, um, in the, um, the Tipperary senior team. And they both operated in the full forward line, are operating in the full forward line for Clanmel commercials. They scored 3-5 between them in, in, the, in the Tipperary final when they beat J.K. Brackens and scored six goals. Is which something that Newcastle West will have to watch out for. Um, but as you know, Tom, and as Adair know, and most of the clubs in Limerick know, Monalee know it, scoring goals in 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 um, in uh, against Michael Newcastle again. West is oh, a yeah. challenging challenge. It's a big, big challenge. Yeah. They don't concede goals. But um, they, 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 I'm, I'm saying that in that they, you know, they will have to be mindful of it. But I give Newcastle West a very decent chance. The only thing I'm slightly worried about, um, uh, Tom, but they are mature enough at this stage, is the quick turnaround, seven days. Yeah. And when you take the separations into account and everything and. Um, there, there has been a distraction along the way. We saw a distraction last weekend where they were due to play a Premier Junior football final and it was off. And um, it is supposed to be on again this week. And the, uh, lo and behold, there's uncertainty as to where it will be on, you know. So um, they can do without those distractions. But all things being equal, I give them a decent chance of setting up a semi final with Dingle. Yeah, definitely. I was uh, Clanmel have just climbed as well to the, the joint top, which feathered at top of the Tipperary football That's team. Correct. A role of honour. So, twenty-one titles. Yeah, that'll tell you. Six goals and seven they put on J.K. Brackens in that final. But I can have a sneaky feeling that uh, they won't be able to kick six goals this weekend if uh, if Mike Culligan and his defence are, are uh, anywhere near top form, which uh, I'm sure uh, Jimmy Lee will hope to be. Matt. Uh, we will watch that one on Sunday afternoon uh, with excitement. Uh, we wish Newcastle West the best uh, representing the county uh, in their Munster endeavours. And I do feel that there is. Oh, been sure, a... look, they, 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 they've been fantastic ambassadors of our county. Um, they, they're they're excellent county champions. And, um, you know, hats go out to them um, at the way that they lost last year's Munster final. Like, they certainly deserve to be on the Munster Clubs Championship Roll of Honour, you know. And who knows, maybe this year will be their year. Third time lucky. Absolutely, yeah, yeah. Well, we'll see. Can they make a semi-final and, and, and build from there? But a stern test in uh, Turles awaits on Sunday afternoon. 1.30 throw in, as Matt said. Matt, we must look down now the, the grades. And we were uh, joined at hip, as I say, last Saturday afternoon in Eskeaton. Um, Munger St. Paul's 1-8 to 1-3 victors over uh, Drumcolour or Broadford. So they Munger moving back to the senior ranks. And Matt, before you come in about the game, I was disappointed as an onlooker and, and a neutral at this one that 
the pitch in the Skeeton, and again, far of me to criticise any pitch given the weather we've had, but the pitch, in my opinion, was not befitting of a county final. Um, a lot of water on it, a lot of mud around it, a lot of difficulty for players picking the ball, bouncing the ball, kicking the ball. You know, it didn't make for good viewing for a neutral. I know that's not what these players are there for. They're there to win. They're not there to entertain. But nevertheless, there was a lot of neutrals at the game. I saw folks from Newcastle West, from Fina Media. I saw people from uh, from all sorts of clubs all over the place who came to see it. They were hoping for a spectacle. And unfortunately, Matt, the, the weather, the pitch didn't help. That's my little rant on that over. Disappointed in, uh, that, it, that it had to be played on a, such a poor surface. Um, but the game itself, Matt, mongers deserving, deserving winners. Yeah, but I, I just, just taking up your point there, Tom. My, my, my sympathy and my heart goes out to, to field committees who are trying to maintain their fields with, with the Absolutely, level of yeah, rain yeah. that's falling. And I suppose in the circumstances, Askeaton did the best they could, like because there, 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 there were a lot of, there were a lot of venues across the county last weekend that were unplayable. Full stop. You know, one of the best pitches in the country, uh, in the county, um, Kappa Moore's main pitch was not playable. Um, and the, 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 the Junior A final took place in their second pitch, which, which had been flooded actually during the week. But the, the, the drainage and the soakage in it is so good um, that the pitch was in pretty good condition, now, I would have to say. Um, but, you know... Um, uh, you know, we're, we're, we're very dependent on at this time of the year, especially when we go into the fall and into winter. And with, with so many games still to be played, I don't think people realise how many games are to be played. Now, all right, um, the adult um, section of the Limerick Championships should finish this weekend because there are three county finals down for decision and that should close the door on the... On the um, Domestic adult, but there's a whole raft of under 21 hurling matches to be played, and lo and behold, the under 21 football yeah. championship that hasn't been a ball kicked in anger by anybody. So, like it, it, it is challenging and trying times for field committees, um, for mentors, for players. It's a it's a huge challenge all around at this time of the year, and you wonder. You know, your, your your sympathy has to go to the teams that you know prepare so much during the year, mainly during the summer months, and in good weather. And you know, come they come down to that big day, and lo and behold, on that big day, like you know, they're dogged by incessant rain and the week week up to it, and sometimes um, very adverse prevailing conditions. But getting back to the final. Um, I think it was a very decisive um, uh, victory for Mungret St. Paul's. I was hugely, I was hugely impressed with Mungret St. Paul's, and I, I would say, had there been more favourable conditions on the day, that I think Mungret St. Paul's would have won more comfortably, because they they are that kind of football team, and we flagged it in our commentary right from the start. You know that players holding their feet. Players holding on to a slippery ball was going to be challenging, and it was a question of which one of the two would, would adapt to the conditions the better. And you'd have to say that Mungret probably did slightly the better. But Drum, what a disappointment to me, and they, they were a good bit off the mark. And the, speaking to Drum Color Connections, 
afterwards, they universally agreed that, you know, that that Mungret were an excellent team, and and that that is what they are. And um, we spoke with Pat Renahan after, who has done a fantastic job um, in coaching them. And um, uh, you know, I can say it now, Tom, with a certain degree of certainty. Twenty twenty four, watch Mungret in the Senior Football Championship. Yeah, watch them in all the grades, you know, <laughs> Sorry. Watch them in all the grades, you know, hurling yeah, and football. Yeah, watch them in all the grades. We'll watch them in the Senior Football Championship because um, the configuration of that team is such. Like, two two absolutely powerful midfielders, two great footballers, um, like um, Brian Barry and, and Darrell Hagen. You'd, you'd Shane Barry inside in the edge of the square, a real, real good target man, but all around the field, you know, you're excellent, excellent footballers. Due to the conditions on the day, um, weren't afforded the, 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 the opportunity to express themselves as they would have liked to express themselves. But they were comfortable winners. And I suppose, you know, uh, reflecting on the game itself, and uh, you'll agree with me, Tom, I, I, I suppose the decisive moments were from the 39th to the 42nd minute when Mungret put 1-2 on the board without reply. Because... Every score on a day like that is at a premium. But if you get a run of scores like that and you're already in front, you know, you're really, really putting it up to the opposition. And effectively at that stage, Tom, they put the game out of drum's reach. Now, I know, I know, drum color have Bradford got a goal and a good goal. Rosnan caught a, puck out, uh, um, a kick out, um, spotted the run of Brian Ahern and... Um, you know, he finished to the net very well. Within two, within a minute or two, they had a second opportunity to a goal for a goal. Um, but it was a great save by Jake Forty in the in the Mungret St. Paul's goal. And had the second goal gone in, you know, we might Three have a different game. narrative. But yeah. I I had the sense all the time, even had the second goal got in, that Mungret would have found that that extra bit of that extra level that, that would have taken them through. But um, it's congratulations to Mungret. Hard luck to Drum Bradford who are losing and who lost the final for a second year in, in a row. And um, they, they're heading in now to a fourth year at intermediate football. We, we, we can never forget for Drum Bradford, you know, the joy and what they did and what they brought for us in the first two decades of this 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 millennium. You know, they they, they were the standard bearers. And um, yeah, they 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 they. they they're going in the right direction to getting back, but they were a nice bit short in in Saturday's final time. Yeah, yeah, I suppose the the one perk about losing to Munger is Munger are not going to be in their way next season, but they'll hope to build. I'm sure drum. And as I say, as Matt says, uh, congratulations to Munger back at senior football. Many people felt I, I, it was I, long I, I, just Somebody from another club, and I won't mention the club, had said during the week, "I wish to God Munger would win it because there's." So get far ahead of the rest of us and get him out of the way. <laughs> Very good. Yeah, yeah, that was the sentiment I was getting at there. Uh, Munster club action for them on the 26th of this month uh, against Grange Mockler or Rowmore of Watford. And uh, if uh, it'll be either Limerick or Watford. So if uh, the Grange Mockler side from Tipperary come through, Mungers will have home advantage. So we'll see uh, after this weekend where... It's not uh, it's likely to be Walsh Park, uh, Tom, because Rowmore are a city club. 
Yeah, absolutely. So we'll we'll see what, what they, those two. I believe yeah, they meet this Sunday uh, in Bancha. So we'll see who comes out on that, and then Mungo will have their fixture confirmed uh, early next week. I'm sure. So uh, best of luck to them in Munster Club action. Matt, the grave beneath this unfortunately was not played. Um, it was Mungo, sorry, Newcastle West second team against Fianna Kilmeady, the Premier Junior A Championship. Um, lots of chit chat around the county about what's went on here and all this. Look, the game was pulled on Friday evening, that much we know. The Newcastle West were also unhappy about it. I know Jimmy Lee spoke about it after the senior final, he was unhappy with it. It's very disappointing for the squads of players, uh, and I mentioned both squads in that, because people make arrangements for county finals. They you know, they book time off work, they book time with, you know, if you have kids, the babysitters, all the rest of it. These are the things that people don't think about sometimes that goes in their logistics of teams, getting physios, uh, you know, if you have to get a third party to do the physio, etc., all the bells and whistles that go with any game, let alone a county final, and it was pulled. It's very disappointing for both sets. Look, we're not we're not here to, to speculate on, on on who said and, and what was said, but it's very disappointing that this game did not go go ahead. Yeah, and, and uh, you know what I think is is the the sad thing about all this, um, Tom, is um, you know how exercised GA fans around the county became with this particular issue and um, there were so many versions of events as to how it transpired you know and um, somewhere in there lies the lies the true reason um which we obviously are not privy to you know but it, it's very 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 disappointing and um, that a county final should be postponed on a week when three other county finals go ahead yeah. And yeah. yeah, particularly on the day when another county final went ahead. So, um, you know, I, I, I'm sure it will all come out and wash in due course. Now, the game, as I, as I mentioned, um, it was the, the refixture was down for decision this Friday evening in Mick Neville Park. But uh, I understand that I learned during the day, and I think you learned as well, Tom, that it's unlikely to take place there because of the construction work that's going on with the, the, the new stand in McNeville Park, and that there is a possibility, unconfirmed, that the game may be in Mount Collins. Yeah, that's that, that's potentially where it is for, and we don't know at the time of recording uh, when when where that fixture is going to be. So we would ask anyone that was looking to travel to the game, you know, check in, check in with the MFGA website or to check in with, with the relevant clubs to see about that. So it's just a bit of ambiguity that that no one wants surrounding any game, and particularly, as I said already, particularly around the county final. So hopefully, we'll find a suitable venue. That game will be played uh, this weekend, and we'll have our Premier Junior A champions um, crowned this weekend. So look, I suppose that's all we're going to say in it for now. Uh, Newcastle West versus Fianna Committee will be played over the weekend coming. Uh, all going well on that front uh, at the moment. A bit of uncertainty of where it will be played. Matt, the grade below us, uh, below us I should say, uh, the no fairy tale for the men uh, from Mianus, uh, Camogue Grovers, well beaten by a very, very strong Munger St. Paul's team. You were there, uh, it was 11 o'clock throwing on Sunday morning uh, in Capamore for this one. You were there, and look, the scoreline suggests Munger were worthy winners, but anyone I spoke to suggests that they were, you know, a team operating effectively at the wrong grade, you know, and that's uh, nothing against Camogue, but it's a compliment to Munger there, a very impressive uh, 15 and, and indeed panel. Uh, look, it's, it's you know, uh, I, I heard that, that they were operating at the wrong, the, the, 
at the wrong grade as well. But that wasn't Mungret's fault, you know. That they're, they're they're coming through the system, and you must remember that this is their second tier. And by God, um, from what I saw over there, if this is their second team, you know, if I hadn't seen them the day before, I would be in awe as to what their first team is. But um, and that that's why I say watch Mungret in the Senior Football Championship next year, because they're like as good a team as they had out in in Askeaton on Saturday. There are a lot, a lot of young guns chasing for their places <coughs> in the um, in the junior A, uh, the junior A team. Yeah, look, um, Kamog was spirited, and um, you know, I I feel so sorry for them because they've never won in the county adult championship adult title, and um, they came close. They lost them. Um, the A final two years ago, they lost the junior B final in 1995, and now they've lost three finals. And um, they came up very short, Tom. But I, I, I was slightly worried, as I told you, uh, as we said last week when we were when we were previewing this. Um, I was slightly worried for Kamal Rovers, like the the checkered nation, a uh, checkered nature of their. Um, of their group stages and their passage to the final wasn't great, you know. Get getting a walk over or two here and there, and um, um, but right from the start of this year, after one or two games in the group stages, Mungret were earmarked by most people as the team to beat, and they proved that, and they proved that very, very decisively. They dominated the game from start to finish, Tom. They had two goals up in eight minutes. They had the first, the, the two goals that they scored, they scored them in the first eight minutes. Um, but uh, Kamog was spirited, um, particularly during the first half. And the, the Mianis lads' best um, spell of the game was about seven or eight minutes leading up to half time, when they got three points in a row and closed the gap to two, six to seven points at half time. Unfortunately, from a Kamog Rovers' point of view, they did not score in the second half. And um, uh, Mungret was a bit, bit tardy and a bit slow in, in, in getting going in the second half. Um, but once they got going, uh, Tom, they were irresistible. You know, they added on 10 points. Luke Walsh, boy, what a player. 10 points in a Munster final or in a county final. Eight of them from play. You know, and um, in midfield of Darrow Sullivan, they have a player to watch out for. In my view, very, very serious, serious player. Now, the man of the match accolade win to Luke Walsh. You cannot disregard somebody that scored. He scored 10 points altogether, but Adam was from play. Like, you, you yeah. can't ignore that when, when, when awarding a man of the match, but it must have been a very, very close call with Darrow Sullivan. Yeah, and he, Darrow Sullivan was involved in, 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 in very directly involved in setting up the second goal for Conor Galvin. Um, but overall, from 1 to 15, this was an excellent performance. And they were able to bring off the bench five subs that in the slightest didn't didn't hit, inhibit the level of performance. It was just uh, they seamlessly fitted into the system. And certainly... Um, uh, I, I, I say, I, I'm saying now about Mungret St. Paul's, what I said about that intermediate team, watch them in senior football. I'm saying watch these guys in premier junior football. 
Yeah, yeah. And as someone who's playing in that grade myself, I hope uh, we'll be drawing the opposite group to them. They seem a formidable, formidable, formidable outfit. Uh, but I suppose that... Yeah, Tommy, the, the you, have to, of... you, have to be, you have to beat them all. Don't mind that old stuff now. You have no, to beat them all. I know. We'll, we'll wait till the final, you know. <laughs> We're aiming big. But uh, no, nevertheless, uh, heartiest congratulations to you. And just to finish up on that, Matt, Mondeline got within two points of uh, Munger in the group. But other than that, as far as I can see from my notes here, Munger have beaten every other team by double digits in this championship. Monlene got to within two points, but Castletown, Ballyagran, Federmore, St. Patrick's, uh, who did have beaten the semi-final, uh, Ballybrick and Bohemore, and now Camogue Grovers have all been lambs to the slaughter, if I can uh, if I can use that. So congratulations to Munger. Definitely deserving winners of that uh, fourth-tier title, so they'll be up in the Premier Junior A. Uh, absolutely, and just to take you up on that point, that defeat was in the first round to Monlean, and there were there were two there were two games in which they only conceded four points, and in those two games they scored seven thirty-one. Yeah, so uh, they, this, uh, is, this yeah. is the level of quality we're talking about. Mm, yeah, yeah. Well, uh, there'll be no uh, just just to remind people, there's no Monster Club after this championship. It's like the intermediate hurling it just uh, doesn't have a, a participant it's the the Fianna committee will represent limerick in the monster junior championship um so there's this one doesn't uh, have a monster representative uh, matt junior b final this weekend we had the semi-finals last friday and saturday if i'm led to believe it it was brewery who beat nakaderi and uh ballylanders your, your own uh, your own neck of the woods who uh booked the final so it's a repeat of the south final this will be played this weekend brewery and ballylanders and there was only a point in it in the South final, Tom. Yeah. It's the third so, time they've met this year. They met in the first round of the championship in Bali, and uh, Bali beat them one nine to nine points. And they subsequently met in the in the league final, the, the championship final, and the divisional final, above in John Mahoney Park in Kilbehenny, and um, Brewery won it two nine to two eight. So it tees it up very very nicely um, for Saturday evening in Paddy Carroll Park at two thirty. Now, Bally have already picked up a bit of silverware this year in that they won the County Junior A League. They beat Mount Collins after extra time, coincidentally, in Paddy Carroll Park yeah. also. Yeah. So, um, um, you know, really, Brody should not be down at Junior B. You know, um, but, they, you know, Brody are first and foremost and second and third uh, hurling club. They devote to hurling. And once they go out of the hurling, they they, they, they they can turn very quickly to football and invariably do a very good job. Um, it's only 2010 since Brewery appeared in a Munster Clubs final, in the Munster Clubs junior final in, in Mallow. That's not, that's not terrible long ago. But there, there have always been a core of very good footballers in Brewery. And um, they, they sort of, when the hurling is out of the way, they sort of come together, get it together, and they're well able to play football. Um, whether it will be enough now to catch Paddy Landers, who will be a traditional football team, as you know, um, will be, will, um, we, we'll just have to see. But we, we, I, I'm expecting a humdinger in Paddy Cattle Park on, on, on Saturday. 
Yeah, yeah, and as you said, Matt said the third meeting of the sides in the championship already. So um, it's it's delicately poised, and and Brewery, I'm sure, uh, given their maybe lack of football earlier in the in the in the season, they're probably getting stronger and stronger, or so they may feel. So uh, we'll see how that one plays out. Also, Matt, on Saturday afternoon we have the equivalent in hurling. It's the only hurling game uh, at adult level, of course, this weekend, the Junior B hurling final, uh, which is also a repeat of a divisional final. Uh, Bally Brown versus Mona Lean. Bally Brown uh, winners uh, last weekend over Maru Boher and Mona Lean just uh, uh, got away from South Liberties in the other semi-final. They're actually played side-by-side, Matt, which is a very rare for championship games. They're played side-by-side in the Maguire's uh, 4G pitches in UL. Um, I didn't get out to it myself, but I'd say it was a kind of bizarre scenario with a lot of activity um, in UL on Sunday afternoon. Uh, repeated the city final. Mona Lean won that one in Palace Henry in a tight enough bear, but in the group stages, Bally Brown had uh, had beaten Mona Lean by double digits, so I suppose we'll just wonder will the will the re Lean stand up for this one? But it's um it's two clubs, second teams, it's two clubs that I think uh, previously participated at Junior A, and just maybe let Bally Brown relegated last year. I think Mona Lean were only the year before, if I'm not mistaken. Um, two clubs that will 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 want to get their team back up a grade, um, and obviously that team then supplements the the senior team. Yeah, very, very interesting. In, in, you know, there are so many parallels between the football and the hurling final in that they're both repeats of their respective divisional finals. And um, uh, both have, are meeting for a third time and both have won one game each. Um, and the team that won the divisional final were beaten in the group stages in both. So there's, there, there are a lot of parallels. But you're right, there are two clubs that want to go up another step in the ladder. And it will be it will be very, very necessary in the respective clubs' development because we have seen um, only after coming off the All-Ireland um, series um, and back at senior level. And I, in my view, consolidated uh, very comfortably at senior level and you know, are in a position to to drive on, and um, with Barry Brown, like the the, the the nearly men, the nearly men for promotion for the last two years, just just missing out and going back up to Section A, and um, you know, both teams will be looking for, uh, both teams obviously have have others coming through, and um, but obviously um, it, it's it's much better to have a winning team coming up behind you to to, to supplement your 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 senior team so um i wouldn't dream of calling it tom i wouldn't even hazard a guess um i'd flip a coin and um you know there is going to be absolutely nothing in it it's going to be a cracking final yeah i yeah, think there I was think four that... points in it in the city final tom yeah, four and 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 as I said the group game. I think Monlin were already true in the group, so there was a bit of a, a, an asterisk beside that win for Ballyrown. But we we mentioned senior teams, Matt. But the, and this goes for football and hurling finals. Um, in in terms of three of the four teams or second teams, but there is guys that that are are junior footballers, junior hurlers, and that and that will be their limit, or that will be where they are in life. So there's an importance in that too. Maybe we can overegg the oh, it's great to get your second team up the rank. But there are guys, Matt, because of their age or maybe just injuries and different factors and all the rest of it. This this is a huge, huge occasion for them to be to be lining out in a in a county final for their club, regardless of you know what grade it is. Oh, it is absolutely, you know, and uh, you're right. People in the twilight years of their career to be to be um, you know, to have a to have an opportunity to go out on a high. But you see, in between them, like our young guns, 
you know, who are, who are aiming for the top. And um, if they get a win under their belt, you know, very often the sky is the limit. Like, but um, um, I I think it's 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 a grade that has fulfilled the purpose. Um, I remember as far back when the grade was introduced first, and um, part of the narrative was that it was um, it was it was, it was a game for cons for consenting adults. But um, um, it's it's far from it. you know because. Um, it was looked on a, as a kind of a, a social thing. Uh, it was kind of a looked at, you know, I've had it described so, um, oh, flowery language. It was uh, um, and not being ageist. Um, um, it, it was a game for all stages and all that. But this couldn't be further from the truth. This, this is a very, very serious competition. And you must, you must remember also, that the winners of the hurling have an opportunity to go on for Munster and All Ireland honours in Kilidi. The winners of the football have an opportunity to go on for Munster or, um, uh, between Bally and, and um, Brewery have an opportunity to go on to Nakaderi for the Munster Championship. Yeah, like the prize and, is and they're, Yeah, they're not limited by. I, I have noticed that well, the so. standard. I noticed that the standard in this these particular competitions have evolved over the years. And have it is a very very good competition at the moment, bottom, and like yeah. the fair that was down in in I, I was bought in Nakaderi and Kid and, and Kilidi last year, and the fair that we saw in the Munster Championship, Tom, you know it's certainly not a joke. I can tell you that. Yeah, absolutely, and there's some very talented players uh, on on display for for these four sides and across the grades. We wish the four of them the very best on uh, Saturday afternoon, two p.m. in Capamore for the hurling, uh, Monlean versus Ballybrown, and two thirty p.m. I believe in Paddycard Park, Ballyagran for Ballylanders versus Brewery. So may may the best men win on that occasion, Matt. Uh, just to switch, uh, I suppose, switch across to ladies football. There is a. Uh, a big game for Monaghan this weekend. Uh, they're playing Glenmire of Cork in the uh, Munster Intermediate Final. A win earlier in the competition to supplement their county title. Uh, a win over Ratmore of Kerry, which I'm sure was no mean feat. Um, another opportunity for this uh, this very very good Monaghan side, which is littered with uh, Limerick players, littered with talented youth and, and and plenty of experience. Another chance for them now to have a crack at a, at a Munster title. Yeah, another, another opportunity for what you said is a very, very accomplished side in my view. And, uh, of course, it wouldn't be their first time meeting and beating a Glen Myers team or a Cork team where they just had seen uh, two years ago. They beat Valley Rovers down in in um, in, in a skiing. And um, last year they got final only to lose narrowly to Mulnahorn. So um, you'd be hoping that it's third time lucky. Cork sides will always be difficult to beat. Um, there's no question about that, but um, I, I'd be pretty hopeful that that Mona Lee, uh, Mona Gay will get over the line in this one. And uh, what a boost it would be, not only for Mona Gay, but indeed um, for 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 Limerick football. And uh, it, it would be a major boost um, um, for one of their backroom team, uh, Michael Quilligan, who is who is taking over the, the 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 Limerick team as a joint manager with Sean Kiley in the very very near future. But on Sunday, on Sunday it's on a quarter to one in Mallow. Best of luck to Martin O'Sullivan, who has done a great job with him over the years, and done a great job also as part of Jimmy Lee's backroom team. But best of luck to Martin and his girls on Sunday. 
Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, twelve forty-five p.m. in the Mallow GA complex. Uh, if you can get along to that with the sport, uh, Mona Gay representing the county. Um, Matt, you mentioned the, the the incoming Limerick manager Michael Quilligan or Mike Quilligan, the the Newcastle West uh, goalkeeper. He's obviously trying to spit himself across two counties on on Sunday, which uh, which is unfortunate. He won't be able to do that. But himself and Sean Kiley, uh, former Limerick goalkeeper himself, uh, are have been announced uh, late last week as the uh, incoming joint managers of Limerick, both involved in the team the manager team of the year just gone. And I'm delighted to see this from the point of view of continuity. We've had too many years, Matt, in the last five, six, seven new seasons with Limerick football, ladies football, uh, where we have gone from manager to manager to coach to coach. And it's just we're turning a blank page, whereas this at last is a continuation. Uh, obviously, uh, Graham Shine uh, has moved on, but uh, the good work that Graham and, and his backup team is likely to be continued. Yeah, yeah you're, you're absolutely right, Tom. Your, your, your point is absolutely right um it's time for a bit of continuity now and sean tiley and, and mike quilligan have been at graham at, at graham shine's side um all through the last two years and these two guys like um like you know they've been part of the backroom team that have taken them um, taken um limerick to um to the um all island final this year now they're two exceptionally um qualified football men. Um, Mike Quilligan picked up a fifth county senior football medal last Sunday. His huge experience and his huge experience of management with with, um, with Mona Gay as part of Martin O'Sullivan's team. Now, Sean Kiley represented Limerick as a top-class goalkeeper for years, as well as representing his clubs, Hospital Haverstown and in latter years, Brough. So, these are two hugely well-equipped, accomplished football men. And um, I, 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 I think the future of Limerick Ladies football team is in very, very good hands. And um, <coughs> they have, um, you know, they've named their backrooms team as well. And it includes yeah. um, somebody that, that has given tremendous service over the years to Limerick Ladies sport in Sheila Minahan. An All-Ireland medal winner with Limerick. She was the All-Ireland winning goalkeeper um, for the Limerick Camogie team in 2014. But she has, she's dedicated her life to a hand in Camogie and to St. Elby's in football. And uh, Fantastic. Kevin Boyle is another man that's in the backroom team and who is also a carryover from, um, from, Brenda, um, from Graham Shine's team, backroom team. So, like, there's continuity all over the place, and, and um, uh, you, you know, it's it's. Um, look, I'm very hopeful that you know we can build on last year. First of all, <coughs> the first challenge for the lads, of course, will be in the league, and um, we, we we'll see how that transpires. This this league and promotion has has proved. It has proved elusive, Jack, for uh, Tom, for the last couple of years. Now, Graham Shine, um, you know, put a lot of store on on, on um, the importance of getting up and playing at a higher level. And of course, he's correct. You know that we get up, get out of Division Four, get into get into um, Division Three, and test yourself against better sides, because that's what the future is all about. So the first um, the first challenge will be, of course. Um, the, the, the league 
but like we 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 cannot be hastening to run to define the lads on how they do in the league. They've got to get an opportunity, yeah. and they've got to get a full year, and it is then that we will judge it in its totality. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and uh, we wish the lads the best of luck. Uh, Joe Lee, Sheila Moynihan, Kevin Boyle, and uh, Rosaline Roach also announced in the backroom yeah. team there. So plenty. Plenty yeah, of experience. Joe Lee, uh, of course, a very, very, very experienced football man. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Matthew, you told me there you wanted to mention uh, a certain, uh, uh, another man involved in ladies football who had uh, a success this week, you said to me there. Oh, yeah. Um, John McNamara, who was very well known in um, Limerick ladies football um, circles and in particular in underage ladies football circles. He has been manager of I think the minor team this year, and he's been manager on the 14, under 16, up along. But this year, he won a very, very prestigious... Yesterday, he was named for a very, very prestigious award, was the um, the uh, National Dairy Council Kerry Gold um, uh, top award for milk quality uh, in Ireland. It's an all-Ireland... Um, it, it was an all-Ireland success, and... Um, he brought the cup home to Garmentstown last night, and um, there was great celebrations out there in um, in Nakani. Tom, you probably have them down in Kilbury Own because it couldn't be too far from you there. Um, <laughs> but congratulations to John! Like he's he's more than a good football man when it comes to farming. There's there's none better. Yeah, yeah, fine milk by all accounts. So congratulations to John, and uh, I'm sure he'll keep up the good work. Top, uh, top, top, top quality support. milk in the country. Yeah, that's it. And yeah, then, of course, it's the fourth national award he has won. Fourth national that's award. <laughs> that's yeah, there's no stopping him. Twenty-four yeah, Ireland. Yeah. So if you see it, quick, you know. Yeah, he'll probably he'll probably help the Limerick ladies football to a few in the next few years. He'll keep adding to that, and uh, he'll, he'll never stop. But uh, Matt, we mentioned management a minute ago. We had an announcement uh, last was it, or was it earlier this week? Uh, the the, the Camogie management has been announced for uh, for next season, and uh, we have a Limerick man back at the helm. A man who uh, it's almost back to the future. A man who has served Limerick in both hurling and Camogie. He's previously managed uh, Westmead and Kildare as well in 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 hurling, and he's just been. He's been all over the place. He's been on commentary duty with us this year across um, across sport in America, uh, stream sport. Like uh, Mr. Joe Quaid, uh, a great servant, of course. I've even forgot his playing career after all that, match. But he's back in charge of the Limerick Camogie team. And it's been a lean few years, match for the Limerick Camogie team. So a man like Joe coming back is, I'm sure, a welcome addition to Limerick Camogie. He's, he's back. He's back, Tom, and I, I welcome it. And I congratulate um, Joe and... Um, just, just his playing career, two Munster titles, two all, uh, two um, national leagues, and two all stars. You know, it's that that's that's a rich pedigree in any man's and in any man's language. But um, I, I, I'm delighted to see him back because he was such a central part. Um, 2014 will be always remembered as the best year ever in Limerick Camogie history. Now we got to the All Ireland Singer final in 1980 and were beaten in a replay. But never had we before achieved what was achieved in 2014. It started with winning the All-Ireland Minor A Championship, which is the most prestigious. It's the highest competition in at minor level. And, you know, we beat Cork in the final. And not only did we beat him in the final, but it went to a replay and they had to travel to Charleville and Cork's home ground 
and and um, and had a very comprehensive win in the final. We won the All Ireland um, um, Komogi Championship that year, the, the Intermediate Komogi Championship, and the Junior A Komogi Championship. You had three All Irelands in a couple of weeks. It was a fantastic time for Limerick Komogi. But Joe came in in 2013, and his first success was that he won Division Two of the Komogi League and got Limerick promoted. So, like Joe's, like if you look at Joe's career, both on the field and off the field, he's a man with Midas touch. Tom. <clears throat> he took Limerick to the All Ireland when the All Ireland under 16 Alabon in 2013. He was very, very successful with Kildare. He got Westmead promoted. But, like, you know, it, it'll be with his achievements with Limerick that he will be best remembered. And um, I'm absolutely delighted to see him back because um, he had a structure in place in 2014 that brought it all about. Um, like he had the three teams and the managements working in harmony. Um, Tom, it was you were you were probably on in the cradle, but it was um, <laughs> it, it was it was an absolutely fantastic time to be covering Limerick Camogie. Absolutely fantastic time. Yeah. <clears throat> now we've fallen in kind of tough time since. We have made the odd spot, you know. And by the way, you know, I want to wish John Lillis. Um, the, the very best. He, he's been there for the last two years, and um, he was certainly a man that was a pleasure to deal with. I found him um, an absolute pleasure to deal with him. And um, like you know, um, that that there is transition going on in Limerick Camogie. But from what I saw this year, like um, I've taken great heart when I saw the county senior Camogie final. I took great heart when I saw the county intermediate Camogie final. There are enough a lot of players out there and David David Didi is back again as the junior um, manager and he did a lot of good work last year because he came in um, into practically a greenfield situation to build a team from the very bottom so I, I can see that you know that uh, Joe Quaid and David David um, Didi will be working in harmony and Paul Neenan probably with the minors so like that you know um that's a nice cocktail, uh, uh, Tom. And, uh, you know, I, I hold out great hope um, for the coming year. Yeah, absolutely. And I think uh, it, it's back to the future with uh, four or the six of the senior management back from 2014. So they, 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 they're trying to bring back the good times, I suppose, in Limerick Camogie. And I suppose their, their first, their first uh, protocol will obviously to have some success in the league, Limerick, and the kind of second tier now, I think it's called 1B now, or is it Division 2? I can't remember the, the, the branding on it, but that would probably be their first protocol. But also, I'm sure he'll be searching high and low to make sure that the very best of uh, young and old, he'll be looking for the very best to line out with Limerick this year or for, for 2024. So we wish Joe and uh, the new management team uh, every success with the Treaty County. Matt, I think uh, I think that covers it all for, for uh, Limerick uh, GA Camogie Ladies Football this week. Uh, hopefully the weather will be a bit kinder to us on the, the sidelines at the various games this weekend, but uh, we have plenty to look forward to nonetheless. Oh, we have, you know, and um, I, I, I would love I would love if the powers be would take a weekend off and come down and try and cover matches on the sideline, you know, um like I had the, in in Capamore the other day I had to have the umbrella very close by and it was called into action for the last five minutes you know 
um, no fault of the, the the of the various venues, but it's time that the GA wake up and very very good coverage, and um, we have we have moved into a new era of coverage, Tom, with 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 the proliferation of streaming, you know, and it's it's streaming from very very primitive conditions, so it, it, it's time that grant assistance was made made available. By the powers that be, those August bodies above in Croke Park, um, uh, to the various clubs around the country to improve their press facilities. Yeah, yeah. Well, I'd, I'd say facilities in general, even to, to, to paying spectators, certainly uh, across various venues, could do with uh, with a bit of touch up as well. But hopefully, uh, those calls of yours, Matt, will not fall in deaf ears as, as time goes on. Well, Tom, Tom, it 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 it, it, it is um, something that I will be revisiting through this medium, and I will be re revisiting with the various powers to be that I meet, and um, I, I I brought it up with with um, with um, with some with somebody. Uh, in high authority about four or five years ago, and the only steps he took were long ones when I started. <laughs> well, on that bombshell, we shall leave it there. Thank you very much, Matt, as ever. Impression the game, we get all with what you put into. It's like a walk of life. If you're good enough, go out and get it, no more about it. But not so much control in the centre of the field from Phil Kenny as Richie Bennett sends it high and over the bar. Your mother sends you down to the shop for a pound worth of goods. And she gave you 50 pence. You can't get the pounds worth the goods. Can you? Just about kept in. Oh, well done. Shawnee Buckley. To do that to Tomas O'Shea. He deserves to score from here. One of the highlights of the second game. Let me spend out there from the war court today. No more about him. He made all the run. That was it. Put the ball over the barrel. The fact that it that's it. No ifs, no buts. Is there much time left? No sympathy in this game for anybody.